Welcome to Stack Attack, the PI Public Library Services podcast on books, culture, and everything related to the world of libraries. My name is Grace, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Halloween. For some islanders, October 31st is their favorite time of the year. Halloween represents the joy and thrill of being scared, that rush of adrenaline that flows through your body. For others, Halloween is a celebration of one's imagination, being able to dress up in a costume and inhabit another character for a couple of hours. And for some people, it's all about the candy. Although celebrating Halloween will look a little different this year, one thing hasn't changed our collective love of a good, scary story. For this episode, we asked a number of Islanders to share with us their favorite ghost stories. Stories that are rooted right here in Prince Edward Island. Our first guest today is lifelong Charlottetown resident and storyteller, Ivy Wigmore. Ivy is currently working on a book of ghost stories rooted in PEI history, along with the paranormal tales drawn from her own experiences. Today, Ivy will share with us the story of the Dewar House. Dewar House, at 27 Hopeton Road in Stratford, is a lovely example of the Queen Anne Revival style that was in vogue at the time of its construction in 1903. With its corner turret and sweeping veranda, the building is designated a heritage place, both for its architecture and through association with its builder and first owner, Dr. George Dewar, who was popularly known as Dr. Splendid. Louise Lalonde lived there for some years around the turn of the more recent century, and I visited her there. The house had retained the antique charm of its period, having escaped remodeling typical of the last century. At that time, even the wallpaper was vintage. The house had an antique and atmospheric feel, even an antique smell, old wood and polish, a faint scent of apples. In the parlor was an untuned piano, Downstairs in the cellar was a cement slab and a sink, as if people had been embalmed down there. Louise assumed that those were relics of the days when Dr. Dewar had his offices in the house. From her first days there, Louise never felt alone. She and her sister Claude, who sometimes stayed with her, often heard footsteps through the house boards creaking as if someone was walking down the stairs one step after another and into the room, but no one appeared. Or they'd hear the sound of piano music drifting through the house, despite the fact that the piano was not playable and there was no living soul there to play it. Items would disappear, only to reappear at some later date somewhere that they had already searched. People would hear their names called when no one called them. One night in particular, Louise woke to a strong feeling of a presence in her room. She got up, saw it was 3.30, and went back to sleep. The next morning, the sisters met in the kitchen, looking the worse for wear. 
How'd you sleep? Louise asked Claude. Oh, came the response. I woke up at half past three because I felt there was someone in the room with me. Someone sat on the bed. Whoever that was had stopped by the rooms of both women, almost like a mother looking in on her children before bed. There was an upstairs room that had a different feel to it. One morning, as Louise walked past the doorway, she glanced in and found herself eye to eye with a woman sitting in the room, dressed in the fashion of the late 60s or early 70s, in a green and orange plaid mini. Just as solid and real as could be one minute, as they regarded each other, and then gone again. Louise was not uncomfortable sharing her house and came to refer to the woman as Sheila. A visiting psychic told her that there was the spirit of a woman, probably in her forties, upstairs, and that of an elderly man downstairs. The young son of a visitor one time suddenly said ghost and told them he'd seen a purple thing go into the room. Given six Sheila's sixties style, Louise thought that was likely who he'd seen. At one point, Louise was running a bed and breakfast in the house and often rented rooms out to bands that were playing in town. She'd moved the piano into her room because it was so badly out of tune that she didn't want anyone even trying to play it. One morning, the bass player of a band that was staying there said, Who the hell was playing that out-of-tune piano in the middle of the night? Louise, who'd been sleeping next to the piano, assured him it had not been played in a very long time, and definitely not the previous night. Louise sold the house a while back, but she sometimes wonders still if the current owners ever hear mysterious music or maybe catch out of the corner of their eye a fleeting glimpse of green and orange plaid. Becca Griffin, also known as Becca the Witch, is a Charlottetown-based entertainer and performer. While she now calls PEI her home, Becca is originally from St. John, New Brunswick. Today, Becca will share with us her own experiences with the supernatural. Hi, this is Becca Griffin here. Becca the Witch, and I wanted to tell you a little story. Um, it's not my story, but it's my father's. Actually, I would say it belongs to my whole family. I grew up in an old farmhouse on a road called Redhead in St. John, New Brunswick, right on the coastline of the Bay of Fundy. This old farmhouse has probably been through a lot. It's over 100 years old. It's quite beautiful. It's got lots of unique rooms and spaces and nooks and sounds and entities and really unnatural happenstances on occasion. 
The first story that I can remember of ghosts in the house was when I was about 13 or 14 years old. My father would wake up quite early compared to everybody else. And one morning he was awake around 5.30 or 6 o'clock and he was in the kitchen and he was putting on the kettle for a pot of tea. And he heard somebody walk past him in the kitchen and down the hallway towards the staircase. Uh, So he looked up from what he was doing. Corner of his eye, he saw a woman with a long white nightgown, very stereotypical of a ghost, long white nightgown and a silver braid going all the way down her back. And she moved quickly up the hallway. He thought he had been seeing something, so first he checked on my sister. Her bedroom was in the downstairs area. She was sound asleep. And then he went upstairs to check on both my mother and I. We were all sound asleep. And he concluded that that was the ghost of the house, but he didn't really want to tell anybody for fear we would think he was crazy. A few weeks later, um, in the daytime, he was out doing some yard work and he noticed that there was a car driving slowly back and forth in front of our house. And so he flagged them down and he said, "Uh, is there anything I can help you with? There was a younger couple in the front seat man and a woman and there was a little old lady in the back seat so they all rolled down their windows and the man driving the car said yes actually sir I used to spend my summers in this house it was owned by my grandmother actually my mother in the back seat she grew up in this house and so my dad went to the back seat window and he leaned forward and greeted the lady sitting in the back And he said, I've got a really strange question for you. Do you know a woman who wears a long white nightgown and has a silver braid all the way down her back? And to his surprise, this woman beamed at him. She smiled so big and she says, as a matter of fact, I do. That woman is my mother. And every morning she would get up before the rest of us and go room from room checking on us to see if we were all okay, if we were all still asleep in bed. And it made everybody feel safe and cared for. So I believe to this day when I wake up quite early in the morning around 5 o'clock in my parents' home in St. John, New Brunswick, that the reason for my waking is because there is someone there with me checking to make sure that I am all right. Our next guest is one of our library staff members, Jillian Mann. Jillian loves ghost stories, and she usually runs a Thrilling Tales program every October at the Confederation Center Public Library in Charlottetown, a program where local actors and writers read ghost or horror stories. Today, Jill shares with us a chilling story from a house in Summerside. My name is Jillian Mayen, and I have a friend who lived in a haunted house in Summerside. These are her ghost stories. 
She asked that I keep the address secret out of respect for the owners who have lived there and the current owners. We had a very regular babysitter, but when we moved to that house after the first time she babysat for us, she asked us not to call her anymore. She did not want to come back after what had happened. My son, who was three, was sitting at the opposite end of the couch watching cartoons with her, and he was looking across the room at the empty chair and just kept staring. When she asked him what he was looking at, he said, that man. She never came back, and we never asked her. A few occasions, my son would wake up and tell us there was a man in his room. I had a girlfriend over for coffee one evening when my husband was working. We were sitting on the back porch off the kitchen and could hear a noise coming from the kitchen and then banging and clanging. I went to the kitchen, and the pantry door was wide open, and all the cans that were in it were all over the floor. My friend stayed with me until my husband got home, but would not visit in the evenings anymore. The week we moved into the house, my husband and I were both having dreams nightly about the house we had moved into. My dreams were very vivid of me walking through the house when it was new, which would have been many years ago. And the most notable thing I could take away from these dreams was in one room, which was the bedroom my husband and I slept in, had a row of baby cradles along the wall maybe eight or ten. I would see this room every time that I dreamt of the house. This went on for a week or two, and one day I mentioned it to my mother. She had mentioned to a friend of hers where we had moved to, and a friend knew the house, or at least its history. She told her that it used to be an orphanage a long time ago. Apparently, the original owners of the house could not have children, and the wife pleaded with her husband to take in orphans so she could help raise them. And that's where the cradles came from in my dream, I guess. We'd see balls of light, orbs, many times at the top of the stairs. And heading up to bed one night, I was walking to our bedroom and noticed a shadow over the bed. When I got closer to the doorway, I could see a perfect outline of a child, boy, maybe four or five years old, sitting on my bed. One morning, we woke up around 5 a.m., and I could hear my baby daughter, who was one and a half years old. So I got up, and she was sitting on the floor at the top of the stairs. My son was only three, so there was no way that he had taken her out of the crib, and my husband and I were both still in bed. Thankfully, we heard her as she was not yet walking and could have fallen down the stairs. That truly was the straw that broke the camel's back, and we were out of there the next week. Kimmer McDonald is a local storyteller and historian with a keen interest in all things supernatural. Cameron currently works with the Confederation Center in Charlottetown, where he creates tours and scripts and tells island history with the Confederation players. For our last story today, Cameron will share with us his own first-hand account that started his interest in the supernatural. I've always been a bit of a skeptic when it comes to stories of the afterworld, of specters and spirits, but I always like to keep an open mind. I know that there are stories, people there, who are quite sincere and 
and truly believe that they are seeing ghosts. I've certainly seen my fair share of things that I cannot explain, and this story pertains to one of those moments. I was, uh, in my younger years, at a youth group in Charlottetown, in a wonderful great old church. It's a three-story church, and when we were playing games, we were able to run around between the basement, the middle floor, and upstairs. It was quite wonderful, a great amount of fun, but there were some locations within the church that we were unable to go to. One of those areas was in the back loft where the choir would wait before they'd come out to sing every Sunday. There was a great set of stairs on either side of the organ going up. On the left side of the church, these stairs were the forbidden stairs. Uh, there was a door at the bottom of them, always locked to prevent the kids from running up. Now, I was uh, in charge of making up a lot of games at youth group, and we always knew that we were unable to go up those stairs. So during one of these games where we're running around, I'm trying to be stealthy and hide throughout the church, I end up finding myself in this back area. And I notice that the door to these stairs is open, which seems to be uh, a strange thing. Normally it, it, it's closed. So I take a closer look, and seated on the stairs is a girl wearing a white dress. I don't recognize her, but no alarms are raising in my head at this moment. There are many people who come to this youth group, and new kids come every week. It's not un heard of to, to see someone who I don't recognize, but there was something odd about her. She was just sitting there on the stairs, a questionable tactic for the game we were playing. Anyway, I heard some noise coming from downstairs approaching me, so I thought it was best to continue running on. I didn't want to get caught, but then my senses overtook me, and I thought, no, I should make sure she gets off the stairs. We were always told that they were older, maybe dangerous, and there are things at the top of the stairs that they didn't want the kids getting into. So I thought I would do my part and tell her to, to get off the stairs. So I turned to her, and I, I say, you know, we're not supposed to be on the stairs, you know. No response. She just keeps sitting there. Well, again, I, I turn to run, and again, I'm stopped. I... I, I feel something. I feel, I don't know if it was a, a, an urge to do the right thing, or or if it was a curiosity that drew me back, but I turned around, and to my surprise, the door was closed. I didn't hear the door close, and I certainly didn't hear anyone climbing down the stairs, so I drew a little concerned. I walked towards the door, turned the knob, and the doorknob came off in my hands. Still no cause for alarm. The only thing I was worried about was perhaps now I've trapped this girl up these dangerous stairs. And so I run down, I find the youth group leader, I show them the doorknob in my hand. They are a little surprised to see such a thing, and we both go back to the door, we fix the door, we open the door, and it's at that moment that I start to fear. The alarms certainly start raising in my mind when I see the stairs entirely empty and a thin layer of dust covering over where I saw the girl seated. Well, at this moment, I didn't really know what to think. I was a little nervous, 
Once we gathered everyone else up at the end of the game, my mind was constantly wandering, my eyes were looking everywhere, trying to find this girl in the white dress. She never arrived. It was as if she was never there at all. Well, needless to say, the next few nights youth group came about, I was less than enthralled by the idea of going. I actually skipped out the next week because I was a little concerned and scared. But eventually the memory of this drifted for far enough away that I was comfortable to return. And I remember one Sunday being at church, my friend and I were looking at old photos from the older congregation. We found a photo of one of the earliest congregations of the church. And there is a captain in this picture, seated in this rather amazing looking chair. And next to the captain was a young girl in a white dress. I could not take my eyes off of her. I did not know why until I really thought about it. I recognized that girl. Without a doubt, I was certain it was the same girl that I saw seated on those steps. Well, I asked the minister about it. I asked around, and I was told that the chair still existed, in fact. The chair was in the basement, in the boiler room of the church. So, question, my friend and I decided to venture down to the boiler room. We wandered in, it was dark, gloomy, wet, and there we saw the chair. Nothing to be alarmed about, it was simply a chair. And then the boiler turned on. Great booming noise which scared the life out of both of us. But beyond the noise of the boiler, we heard something else. Something not human, but not mechanic either. It scared us so much that we began bolting out of the room. Each room that we ran out of, the door slammed shut behind us. I'm not going to say that the two things are related, but without a doubt my brain was wandering and wondering what on earth happened, what was the purpose or the vision that I saw. Never really found the answer to that, but without a doubt it inspired me to look deeper into all of these island stories, and I've been telling ghost stories pretty well ever since. Stack Attack is a production of the PEI Public Library Service. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and that it may inspire you to learn and read more about ghost stories on Prince Edward Island. A big thank you also goes out to our storytellers, Ivy, Becca, Cameron, and Jillian, for sharing their time and talents with us today. And we would love to hear from you. Feel free to share your favorite ghost or spooky stories with us on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and just make sure to use that hashtag, StackAttack, so we can find your recommendations. And don't forget to check out our website, library.pe.ca, for regular updates on all of the resources, materials, and programs available to you through the library. Thank you for listening, and have a happy Halloween.